This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Shorewinder.com. Hey guys, Ryan here with Torch Talk Podcast. Did you know that I also run a marketing agency with the absolute best crew? I keep hearing from other garage door companies how their SEO company or their web design company is just not cutting it. We never hear that here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we work really, really hard for you door guys out there. Check us out, suchandsuchmedia.com. You got the pricing and everything right on the website. Full transparency. And we're going to work really hard because you are the champion of your story. And we just want to be a small part of your success and celebrate it with you. Great customer service. Amazing web design. Phenomenal SEO that's going to get you ranked. Give us a shout such and such media.com. What's up guys, Ryan here with Torsion Talk Podcast. And today I've got a, a friend of mine who also happens to be a client and um, very successful business owner and entrepreneur. Uh, Todd, Hello. how are you, sir? Doing good, brother. How are you? Doing well. So I can't even keep up with how, like a lot of people make fun of me because of how many companies I've had, but you, I think you've got me beat. Um, you've got, uh, you've got a clothing line, right? Yep. You got a roofing company. Yep. What else do you have? Um, I got a security company. Um, got a podcast in the works. And then. Congratulations, by the way, that's been in the works for a while. Yeah. And then it's finally starting to take off. And then, uh, couple other things I'm working on uh, right now on the car side of things, just, you know, being a passion of mine. So looking to do something with that as well with some friends. Something really cool that I was able to participate in. Um, one of your employees of the roofing company um, was diagnosed with cancer recently. And I love how you guys like rallied around him. Shannon uh, is an employee of yours and I don't even know what he does for you. What does he do? He's a project manager. He's one of our top sales guys. Okay. He's been with me since literally since day one. Yeah. So I would say that with that, um, you guys launched a car show, which you have a lot of connections in, in that industry here locally, uh, raise some money to help him uh, pay some medical bills and stuff like that. That's just super cool. Uh, I think that's neat. I love when uh, employers really tackle stuff like that for their employees and go all out. That's pretty cool. Um, so, one of the things that, uh, so you got like 15 companies you're running somehow, like, uh, I know the roofing company is super successful. You guys do very well. I'd like to talk about, um, the mentality of selling roofs. I know it's slightly different insurance companies are involved. They're not really involved with us, but the way that roofing companies structure their, their businesses and their sales strategies are unique and very different. And we do things, uh, completely different than you guys, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about the strategy, uh, the structure and, uh, see how we might be able to take away some things and apply them to the garage door industry. So That's can you talk to, uh, my audience about, uh, how you got, what are you guys looking for and, uh, how do you structure your sales team? Um, as far as structuring the sales team, you know, it's one of those things where, in this industry, uh, you know, there is 
no base. There is no fall. There is no um, safety net as far as uh, a weekly salary or anything like that. Um, I mean, there are a couple guys as you move up into management or things like that that are ever seen. But right from the get-go, there is no safety net. It's get out there, make it happen. So structuring the sales team, you know, we have people from all walks of life with all different backgrounds, um, which I think is what makes it uh, extremely unique and uh, a lot of fun. Um, But at the same time, you know, the ones that cut it and do really well are the ones that normally have failed in the past or have had a rough, rough path because of the fact that they don't want to go back to that life. Um, So I see a lot of uh, corporate guys kind of come in and um, have had successful other careers and uh, this just sitting a good fit for them, even if, you know, we think it might be and we get, they're just not hungry enough. Um, you know, I always kind of analogy of, of you know, putting a, a lion in a cage, so to speak, and they forget how to feed themselves. So this is one of those things where you constantly got to be hungry. You constantly got to get out there and make things happen if, if you want to eat. Um as far as our customers go, you know, we're looking for really any, we do commercial and residential. So um, ours is a little bit different in the sense that it's not all an outright sale to uh, the homeowner themselves. Sometimes it is Um, a lot of times too commercial. It is unless it's a a shingle roof. Um, But majority of the work that we do is through uh, insurance companies. So we're having to, pitch a homeowner and pitch an insurance company and sell them both on not only letting us inspect their roof and, and if we get the roof approved to do the roof, but then we're also having to pitch the insurance company on the fact of here's the damage presented, here's the issues that it could cause in the future, and here's why this homeowner needs to be awarded a new roof. That's good. So, uh, yeah, we don't have to deal with insurance companies very often. Uh, I think sometimes you'll have situations where tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, really bad hail storms that might damage steel doors might mm-hmm. cause that. But uh, walk me through the process if somebody just wants a roof and they're not necessarily applying to have it paid through insurance. What do you guys do in that scenario? Um, so that's super simple. We, we have a, a program and I'm sure you guys have similar software for, for garage doors, but um, we have a program called Eagle View. Uh, there's a few different programs. Eagle View is the most well-known, but essentially what it does is takes a satellite image of, of the roof. So it gives us different aerial pictures. It gives us every single measurement, pitch of the roof, um, all the perimeter measurements, et cetera. So everything that we would need to base an estimate off of that. And then from there, we can write up a full estimate and proposal and present it to the customer. So those are a little bit faster turnaround for us yeah. than insurance. Um, but insurance is obviously easier for the customer because it alleviates, you know, 95, 99% of the cost. Now, when we go to people's homes, we're taking samples and showing them different colors and stuff. Are you guys doing that as well? hundred percent. So we are, uh, always, uh, looking to build value. And so we're obviously always taking multiple different samples. So even if, even if they have what's called a three pad, which is just your old school basic shingle that's up there, that's what insurance is going to pay for if we're going through insurance. 
That's what insurance is going to pay to go backwards. We always take out three cab samples. We take out architectural samples. We take out luxury shingle samples because we want to make sure that that homeowner is presented not only all the options, you know, for their benefit, but also so they're aware of the different values of shingles and, and what they could possibly add to their home from a value standpoint, from an integrity standpoint. So if it, I think that's freaking great because not everybody's like just a cheap buyer and wants to get whatever was on there in new construction. So offering them an upgrade, I assume if they just pay the difference from what the insurance company is willing to pay. Correct. And they're able to upgrade. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So you're taking samples out. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, is it really competitive in the roofing industry? And, uh, it depends on the, so we have offices from Texas all the way over to Raleigh and down from Florida up to Virginia. So kind of depends on, uh, the state, the area that you're in. Um, it's competitive everywhere. It's super saturated here in Georgia. Um, reason being is because states like Florida, you they require a license. Um, there's different tests that you have to pass. It's almost like becoming a, a GC. Um, so you know we've taken those steps to uh, to pass those tests and to show uh, personal assets and to show background checks and to show this and everything that's needed to meet their demands here in Georgia, literally anyone can go out, get a business license and be a roofer tomorrow. Yeah. That's how it is with garage doors here too. And it's hard, it's hard because you have somebody that's been in the industry for a month. They work on one job. Um, you know, they, they make a little bit of money off that one job. They don't see everything that goes on in the back office. They don't see the material shortage, which I'm sure you guys are dealing Mm -hmm. with right now as well. They don't see, um, when homeowners are delinquent on payments or insurance companies are backed up on payments. Um, so they don't see all the, the issues. They only saw the good from one or two jobs. They go out and they start their own company, which I wish everybody the best. I want everybody to succeed. And um, the problem is they haven't learned enough yet. And so not being licensed, which we are in Georgia, they do have a voluntary license that you can get. I did take that test passed it to, to make sure that we, um, you know, put ourselves ahead of the competition and make sure that people can trust in us more. But the issue is that you have guys going out there that are just about the money, not taking care of the customer, getting greedy and looking for a quick buck. And they hire some random crew to put a roof on. They don't know if it's installed correctly or not because they're not hundred percent aware of what they're doing. Um, or it's the first time that they get a big check from a homeowner and it's kind of a Rob Peter to pay Paul type deal. They run away with it. Um, you know, so there's just not a, enough stipulations in place. And that's what kind of gives roofing a bad rap here in Georgia because there are so, so many scary stories. Like that. So are you for licensing in Georgia for roofers? I am trying to push everything I can. I've talked to um, every supply house. I've talked to every manufacturer, everybody to try to get on board to require to be licensed. And that's probably done more or less from legislative uh, angle though, right? Like yeah. Having this, but they would have like more of the power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get the manufacturers, the associations and things like that, getting your back on that and you roll in there. I think it's going to look a lot better than you just trying to be a roofing company, cutting out all the little guys, you know what I'm saying? So correct. 
Yeah. Because what, what a lot of people don't understand too is, you know, a lot of these companies that are that are certified through these different manufacturers, anybody can go get the certification. That's that's not a hard test to pass. The licensing is, is hard. Um, but on top of that, the warranty from the manufacturer, it doesn't mean that that manufacturer necessarily trusts in that that roofer. It just means that they charged more for that roof and paid the manufacturer a, a more of a fee for them to warranty that roof. Doesn't mean you got a good quality roof. It doesn't mean that it's installed properly. Doesn't mean that, you know, these roofers weren't laying sod yesterday and then today they're nailing shingles. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's just one of the big things is, is doing your homework when it comes to roofing. I'm sure garage doors is the same way. Yeah. And making sure that you, you have a good reputable company. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that. Uh, this is something that I did like for a client back in like 2000 or 2016 ish. I built a garage or buyer's guide. Um, I'm probably going to do the same thing. It might be something that we could do for you too. Um, just so when someone books that consultation, you just shoot out the buyer's guide to them automatically, maybe have your system just automatically send it out with the confirmation. Um, because if they read that, you can, you can kind of warn them of all the signs of things that other, like these scam companies do and other stuff mm-hmm. um, and how to protect yourself as a homeowner and choose the right company. And if you're transparent enough, it'll come over like, you know, Hey, these guys aren't just plugging themselves. This all makes sense. And then it's, does this apply to them too? Right. And so um, if, if you are doing all the things you say and you're transparent and honest enough about the process and who to choose, then it should all line up and help you be more successful. So um, I'm going to try to do that uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, talk to me a little bit about like in the garage door industry, we obviously are having some issues with shortages on material. You mentioned you guys are having, I talked to somebody recently in the roofing industry and they told me that it wasn't too bad. It was just more or less like some colors they couldn't get. How are you guys being affected right now? Uh, is that still the case? Are you guys able to get, and what are you short? What are the shortages on? And are you guys experiencing any crazy increases? Um, yeah. So over the last, I would say year to year and a half, we've had probably eight to ten increases. Each one being anywhere from uh, seven to fifteen percent, depending upon um, what component it is. Each component's increased at, at different rates. Um, OSB, for example, the decking under the roof. I remember a year and a half ago, it was $7 and 48 cents a sheet. Now it's over $70 and it's about to go up over a hundred dollars a sheet, you know? So there's been some huge price increases, um, the, which homeowners aren't aware of. So that makes it, yeah, you have to explain that to them. Um, the, as far as the shortages go, it's really hit or miss. Um, we do so much volume that, uh, a lot of the supply houses allocate everything they got to us, which, which does help. Um, but then again, uh, you know, there's certain colors that are so popular that we might've ran out waiting on another truckload. Um, and then, you know, it's the same thing with like a super unpopular color is, are they not going to have any, or are they going to have some just because nobody's ever wanted it and they got some laying around? Um, but essentially when COVID first hit, they shut down all the plants for like three to six months. Uh, it put everybody, uh, behind, 
essentially we 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 as in the roofing community, you know, went through all the shingles and then they were playing catch up. And then when they were playing catch up, they stopped producing certain colors so they could focus on some of the more the browns and the blacks, some of the more popular colors to really pump them out as fast as possible. Now, the shingle companies themselves, the manufacturers themselves, are actually having trouble getting the raw materials to make the shingles. So one thing that they're short on right now is actually the glass mat, which is the fiberglass matting. Um, and then when they get that, they have to take what they have and then decide, okay, well, here's how much we have. Now, are we going to make three tab with this? Are we going to make architectural with this? So they've limited a lot of what styles they're making too because of that. Um, so it's really affected things. That the most popular shingle is an architectural shingle in either a black or a brown. So that's what they really put all their, their eggs in, you know, as far as in that basket for right now. Um, but I'm hoping that things will turn around and everything will get back on track. Yeah. For the garage door industry, I just did a panel discussion. Uh, like I went to a bunch of suppliers in our industry. Nobody wanted to have the conversation. They're all like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to come on your show. I don't want to answer questions. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, but we were able to get two very transparent, very honest people who came on the show and let me just kind of blast them a little bit. And um, they were freaking awesome, dude. But one of the things that really struck me, because I've, I've had multiple conversations with people uh, in the raw material industry, and uh, I've been told, I didn't believe it. I mean, I probably should have, that, uh, that a lot of these brokers and raw material uh, companies are holding material. Because the price is going up, they're like, well, if I buy it this month and I don't sell it for two or three more months, I can see that it's going to be extremely, it's going to go up, you know, 30, 40, 50%. And all I have to do is shut down for two months and go home and play golf. And then when I get back, sell it for significantly more than I should have. Mm -hmm. And it still costs them the same. They're just making more of a profit. They already bought it. Yeah. Vacation. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. they just increased their profit margin, had to work significantly less, and it makes total sense. One of my biggest concerns, and this was also brought up on that one, is um, this new infrastructure deal with, uh, with Biden trying to push through like uh, billions of dollars of new infrastructure. I mean, like all the steel and concrete that's going to be allocated towards that. I mean, what do you think that's going to do? We already are having a hard time right. with steel and concrete. I mean, like if you could have a more like – I mean, do we need infrastructure? Maybe. Is now the worst possible time to probably try to pull that off? Absolutely. You got labor shortages. You've got material shortages. You've got delays on material. You got, I mean, and then you're going to say, okay, we just passed a 1.9 billion or whatever it is. And, and we are going to need all this steel. And we're going to need all this concrete. I think, I think knowing that all these suppliers are holding back too, because they're like, hey, I want to be able to supply these things to them at a higher price at a higher price. So I know the government's going to pay two X, three X, whatever the number is, they don't care. And if they run out of $1.9 trillion, they'll just print another trillion. More. Yeah. Yeah. And so voila, problem solved. And, and I don't have to deal with customers all day. I can just supply the government. So, I mean, I, I think brokers are buying up stuff. I think they're holding on to things and I think it's just, bottleneck in a bunch of stuff and it's uh, trickling down to 
the everyday working middle-aged like middle-class American who just needs a garage door or a roof, you know? A hundred percent. And you know, what's sad is for like some small companies, small businesses, like, you know, yourself and, and myself, the, there's a lot of companies that aren't going to make it through this because they can't get the materials or um, the prices are going to be so high. And, you know, obviously the more volume that you do, the, the better rate you're getting as well on the material. So there's going to be guys that can't compete with us and there's going to be um, people that can't get material like we can. And that's, you know, I know it's a dog eat dog world, but at the same time, that's, that's sad, you know, but cause like I said, I do want to see everybody win, but, it's, it's going to put, it's going to put a lot of people out of business that can't make it through these rough times. And that's something I hate to see. Yeah. hundred percent. I, um, so we've talked about like how, how uh, difficult it is with, with having a low barrier of entry to get into both of our industries. We talked about possibly going to legislation and having some backing to try to get, uh, get licensed. I think that's a freaking wonderful idea. Um, we talked about the infrastructure and uh, some of the delays on product, uh, have you have you heard about the Pros Act? Mm. So there's another there's another leg- thing on legislation. I think it got passed once, and it's still got to be voted on. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't checked on it in the last few weeks, but uh, they're basically saying that uh, businesses can no longer use 1099 subcontractors for their primary use of business. So I think what they're trying to do with this is is obviously uh, one of the biggest numbers that that politicians can use is their um, employment numbers. Everybody wants to point to employment numbers. So uh, how do you increase employment numbers? You turn every 1099 contractor into an employee. They're they're actually talking about telling you and me, right? Business owners. Hey, listen, if you're in roofing or if you're in garage doors, you cannot hire a 1099 contractor to do roofing or garage doors. They have to be W2 employees. Now, if you do, uh, if, if it's gutters or something outside of the scope of what you normally do, you can hire a subcontractor and you're talking, this is the deal with like, uh, construction companies, everything they're trying to do it across the board. And, uh, I think that's going to, uh, really cause some issues as well. If that hundred percent, cause then you get into a whole nother category of payroll, payroll taxes, insurance, all the costs that's associated with having all those people as direct employees versus versus 1099 subcontractors, supplying them with everything they need, so uniforms. I mean, the list could go on and on. Yep. Mean, and that would take your your expenses through the roof. Yep. And I, I think about it um, like this with, with that is uh, a lot of the really good contractors make a ton of money and they don't want to be W2 employees mm-hmm. because then they lose a lot of the freedom because then we can tell them what to wear. Yeah. I wear my shirt. You got to go to my jobs. You can't, you can't do anything. That's uh, you can't work for any other companies. Uh, you, know, you got to show up at this time and do this. And so um, there's a lot of regulation that, that, uh, that goes into that. And we're as employers allowed to tell employees when to show up and how to do the job. And when they're 1099, uh, there's some, yeah. So, um, I see that being a major problem as well. Um, with roofing, um, how long is it taking right now when you sell just a standard roof for you to get the materials? 
It depends on the shingle normally, normally ASAP. I mean, normally we can get it ASAP unless it is one of those special colors that we got kind of got to wait on. Then it could take a week. It could take a month. Um, uh, you guys aren't too far behind because, I mean, we're like eight to 12 weeks minimum on doors for most. Yeah, people. it's every literally every roof is is different based off the shingle and, and the color. Um, there's been there was one that took us probably five, four to five months to get the materials on. Um, granted, it was a higher grade shingle that the customer wanted to go back with. And it was during the downtime. So we had to wait on a lot of them to produce a lot. Um, but as far as kind of learning what we know and seeing that everything that's taken place and how things have progressed, we've kind of learned, learned what colors are going to be in stock, what they're really pushing out, what, you know, plus we're blessed to have um, supply house that really backs us. Um, so based on the volume, they, they allocate everything to us to make sure that we can take care of our customers as best as possible. Um, we also, as soon as we get an order in, uh, Bobby immediately puts that order in to make sure that the supply house knows, hey, we're not necessarily doing this today or tomorrow, but here's an order that just came in. Make sure you have it yeah. because that way when we need it next week or two weeks, then they have it and it just needs to be delivered. Um, but on average, if we were to get a job in today, we're about a week to two weeks out. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good, man. How are you, Roman? Doing great. I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know how grateful I am that Somer has been a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Yeah, fifth season already. We've had four really good seasons and a lot of good success for us. That's great to hear. At this point, though, I think everybody's pretty much heard of you guys that follow the podcast. What do you think we could say to make your ad stand out for season five? Well, I think we've been working really hard on customer service, making sure that our team and everyone knows all the technical things they need to know to make sure we get uh, the best and quickest service to both homeowners and dealers. Um, we've also been putting a lot of stuff out there to improve product knowledge so that customers know how to, or so that dealers and technicians can know how to troubleshoot or know, you know, what all our operators are capable of, because there's a lot of stuff, even stuff that's not in the manual. And, um, we're continually improving the product. We've had a couple of new software releases in the last year. Um, we're continually adding additional accessories and we've got some even new operators in the pipeline that we're excited about. So you guys got a lot going on. That is great. Am I allowed to talk about how awesome you guys have been through all the shortages and price increases? You guys have been like steady Eddie, like you didn't skip a beat, no quality issues to my knowledge or anything. Well, summer is a German company. You know, we, we do things slowly, but we're, we try to do them well. That is super true. You guys have a great team and I am so thankful and proud to have you guys as a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Hey, Torsion Talk family, if you haven't tried Somer yet, I challenge you to reach out and start a conversation today. Not only is the product great, but Roman and his team are super knowledgeable. I can call him and troubleshoot or just ask advice because he's been in my shoes. If you're ready to chat with the team at Somer, call 877-766-6607. Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you too are cool. 
All kidding aside, Swice makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, check them out first. As a matter of fact, bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B-I-F-O-L-D.com. So you also do something very interesting. Two things, really. Number one, um, I've always been fascinated with all the efforts that you do into giving back. Um, you guys were running around with the big uh, marketing checks, uh, donating money to local schools for unpaid uh, lunch bills or past due lunch bills. Mm-hmm. I think that's freaking awesome because number one, um, you know, I don't really feel like those people are probably necessarily buying roost from you. So it's not really like, uh, you're trying to butter them up. Um, and I just think that's a, that's a really cool way. Cause no kid should have to fall behind on that. And I think the relief of a parent knowing that the school's not bugging them, um, we, we would get behind occasionally, but not, not, not because we couldn't afford it. It was just a matter of just like, forget. Yeah. That would, that would be or, me, you know? Yeah, we have uh we had my daughter who was trying to get two lunches uh every day. Uh so yeah, I mean doubling uh, up. Yeah, doubling up. Um so the other thing that you do that's kind of unique is the fact that you actually um uh you share. Uh, I call it sharing. You guys um have like different locations and you essentially like partner with people uh mm-hmm. to where they're like uh business owners and you guys launch locations all over the country. Can you talk a little bit about your strategy with that? Mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, going back to, and this kind of goes back to like the licensing thing and how easy it is to start up a company over the years. Um, you know, I've been doing this, I think nine, almost 10 years now. So over the years, I've seen so many people, that do go out there to start their own company. And like I said, that's absolutely fine. And the majority of them fail. Some do okay and get by. Some of them do great. A lot of them fail. And I think a lot of them are, are too prideful to admit that they're not doing well or they're not as happy or it's too much stress and to come back or to even go to another company because once you're quote unquote an owner, you don't want to go back to being a, you know, a subcontractor, which I think that's people's pride getting in the way, but, I didn't want people to go out and start a company and, and, and fail and not reach the level of success that they wanted to reach. So I wanted to make sure that we created an environment to where there was no cap on their potential, essentially. So as someone progresses through the ranks and they become better and better at what they do, we have them um, essentially start training people and become almost like an area manager and they'll run a team of people and, um, you know, if, if they do well at that, at running a small team, maybe at five people or 10 people, um, and their, uh, their numbers are up, their sales guys numbers are up, they're uh, taking care of their clients, they're handling customer issues, they're praising people, reprimanding people, doing everything that, you know, a, a manager or an owner should do. Um, then we give the option of, of ownership. Some people want it, some people don't. Um, but 
if that's something that they want, then, you know, we look at new markets that we've been looking to go into uh, based off of storms and, and uh, population and things of that nature. And we'll open up another office there, move that person there and give them 49% of that company. So it's a way for them to become vested with the company, um, you know, not just be a manager. They actually have a piece of the pie. Um, and, you know, we back all the financing, the funding, the, the loans, everything. And we already have a reputable name. So it's a lot easier than them taking the perimeter roofing shirt off and then all of a sudden putting that Todd Price shirt on, you know, and going out and trying to sell a roof. So... That's interesting. Uh, I wonder if that same mentality would probably, I mean, I assume it probably would work, but there's also some challenges with that too, right? Because it needs got to be people that you trust. I know you've had some struggles. I won't go into all of those, but uh, there's definitely, uh, we have a guy in our industry has taken a similar approach. Um, a1 Garage Door is out in Arizona. He's a buddy of mine. He's launching locations all over the country. And with that, um, you know, I, I've commonly asked, I'm like, dude, what about accountability? You know, how are you monitoring these locations? How are you making sure they're doing everything the way they're supposed to do them? Um, and he's like, that's the toughest part, right? So, um, you know, that that is when you're not there, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know how they're doing it. Um, you can try to uh, have little triggers in place, but uh, but that's super hard, right? Especially when people are far away. And so uh, I think that prevents a lot of people from doing things like that because it's like, okay, great. You know, we're a partner and you're, we're going to go out and do this and we're going to kill it together. Uh, and then, you know, maybe they do something that's uh, not to your standard or, you know, whatever, and, and it ends up not working out. Uh, and then you got to start fresh. Now you have a location without somebody to run it for the most part. And now you got to figure out, okay, we got, we got, doors or roofs that we've already sold that need to go in. We got nobody running the show and now you're scrambling around trying to figure out the solution. Correct. So the big, and the biggest thing that I've seen, um, they do, it's kind of, it's, I wouldn't say it's quite half and half, but you, you almost have two types of people. You have somebody that gets that ownership role and takes their piece of the pie and, and, is super proud of it, super excited, and, um, you know, is off to the races, so to speak, and just wants to take it to another level and is thinking about things like uh, having a second market, a second location, or doubling their team, or, you know, they're focused, they're really focused long-term. And then you have uh, the whole other side of that spectrum, which guys get to that ownership role, and they think, all right, now it's time that I can take off and kind of kick my feet up type thing, which in reality, once you become that ownership, you really got to work harder than ever. Um, and I don't think they realize that, um, you know, and I always tell everybody, you know, you got to think long-term, don't think just short, you know, one of the things I always tell people is I use a little bit different language, but I always tell people, you know, forget for or forget Friday, focus on 40 because don't worry about Friday. Don't worry about your paycheck on Friday. Focus long-term in anything you do. And I think too many people are short-minded um, in that aspect and they get that ownership or that entitlement. And it's yeah. kind of, all right, well, now I've made it, so to speak. I think that um, from an outsider's perspective, I could see how people get caught up in the Friday paycheck because, you know, they pull up to your shop and they see these $100,000 trucks and cars outside. And how many cars you got? Uh, right now, 
Yeah. Three. Okay. Which Only one? Three. Uh, what do you I got? got? I I got the Porsche. I got um, Pac Man, and I got the Escalade. Did you sell the white? I sold the white one, and I sold the Cadillac. Congratulations. So, uh, so I mean, but I mean, you and Ray. I mean, you guys have. I mean, I grew up with Ray. I've known him for a long time. Um, I mean, you guys have had no shortages of challenges in your life, but you were able to turn around and quite frankly, in a short amount of time, have, have a great amount of success, yeah. uh, both in business and financial. And so when people see you guys posting, you know, Hey, we just bought this new car or, you know, congratulate one of our team members. They just got this new truck and, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the fact that like, you know, I can almost see like all these guys, uh, you know, talking to well, maybe babe, I want to quit my job and go work for Todd. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting nice cars and stuff, you know? And what's sad is some people actually come and think that they think just because they they're going to get that and they don't realize that they don't see, you know, Chad Thurman bought a bought a new truck and, you know, came here with nothing, with no car and, you know, a, a, a troubled past and then has turned his life around and now is looking to put a ladder rack on it. Now is looking at wheels and tires for it, but bought a brand new truck. You know, they don't see all the hard work that he put in to get there. They don't see the 12, 14 hour days that he put in to get there. They don't see the, when me and Ray and Shannon first started off and, you know, Ray would be at my house at five and we would leave because we'd have an appointment in Greenville, South Carolina at seven and then have to be back here by 10. And then we weren't getting home till, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I'm driving and ordering materials and scheduling builds and sending stuff to the supply house. And then I get home and I'm sending in stuff to the insurance company. They don't see all that the time missed with the kids and things of that nature. So, um, but there's definitely a lot of work put in, but then at the same time, it's some people are content with that. You know, it's one of those things where you, you get in what you, what you, or you get out what you put in. So some people want to make a thousand dollars a week and they can make a thousand dollars a week. Some people want to make, Fifteen twenty thousand dollars a week. They can make fifteen twenty thousand dollars a week. Yeah. It's just it's it's one of those grind things. How hungry are you? So self made is your uh, clothing brand, right? It's price apparel. Price apparel, but you do a lot of self made. Uh, like, is your mm-hmm. so? What do you? What's your plan with that? Um, right now I'm waiting on more samples. Uh, we're coming out with an athletic line, so um our hats and hoodies tees sweatpants have been real popular so um i want to kind of me being big in the fitness industry i wanted to kind of break into some some gym type equipment as well versus just comfy clothes i probably won't ever do anything are you going to compete yeah i have a show in three weeks bro we can't really see you um and i'm not trying to sound cheesy or nothing but you posted a photo with your shirt off. I think it was, and I liked it. And I even commented, I was like, I think this is the first picture I've ever liked of a man. <laughs> shirt off. But it was pretty impressive, bro. I mean, like you're, how old are you, dude? Uh, 30, uh, damn, just turned 36. Yeah, bro. I mean, I got some work to do. Like, but when I look at that, I'm like, hey, look at, look at Todd. That's my boy. Like, look how much work he's put in. That's, and that's what's rewarding about it is no, everybody's going to look at it and be like, oh, dude, this dude's putting in some work. I mean, it's hard. It's not easy. You're running all these businesses, still find time to go to the gym and work out. 
and then you're gonna yeah, be competing. Uh, the you know the biggest thing, and which I tell a lot of people on everything, is mindset is everything, and um, no matter what you do in life. And one of the things that I like about um, really any sort of of physical exercise is just the you know a lot of people look for motiv- motivation, and the motivation will come and go. You don't have motivation at four in the morning, five in the morning to get up and go run five miles or to get up and go do cardio. So that's a discipline thing. And, you know, discipline has helped me across every, all spectrums of my life. Um, you know, with my kids and my wife, with my, um, businesses, with everything, with bodybuilding. So, um, the diet, the getting up early to do cardio, the going to the gym and staying late to do more cardio, only eating certain food. It's, it's all discipline. And it, it, really puts trains your mind to know that you know you can really do anything if you if you if you put your mind to it so i think every time i see you you're eating like grilled chicken out of like a plastic container and uh got a big old thing of bottled water or something like a uh, gallon there you go see (laughs) that's awesome but you speak to like almost like an obsession about it but here's the thing like people with our past we almost are all obsessive. Like we become obsessive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know if there's something in our DNA where when we were growing up, we kind of applied that to the negative, but then once we were able to break loose from it, we apply it to the positive and it's almost like a superpower. It's like, yeah. And I, mean, I think you have to, and to be honest, because to be honest with you, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the people that, that we have at our company that have really excel and really do well, are the ones that have had a rough past, have lost everything before, have, didn't have anything, were home. I mean, I remember not having a place to stay and going to quick trip to steal hot dogs just to eat, you know, and yeah, whatever, whatever the case might be. Yeah, ask Ray about yeah. me sleeping on the couch for God knows how long. Yeah, I lived in the extended stay for a long time. <laughs> thought I was living the dream, you know. Yeah. So, um, but it's a. Uh, turning that that obsession or that addiction around into something positive it can really so for me like working out exercise it it really changed my life um you know so i think finding something that you can and i did the same thing with business you know when i quit um the gym industry because i i was in the gym industry and the money just wasn't there anymore um so i literally just quit and said i'm gonna take on this other path i told my wife so i'm gonna try this and we weren't married yet at the time. Um, but she was like, all right, try it, go for it. And, you know, she worked uh, making like $400 a week, five, maybe five, you know, before taxes. And um, I didn't make a dime for like six months, seven months. And she covered everything. We had to figure out what we were going to do. Good eat. woman, bro. And we had to figure out what bills we were going to pay, what we weren't going to pay. Um, so it was tough, but it's you know we look back at it and like damn do you remember this or do you remember that we earned it yeah and so uh as soon as i started doing you know decent i told her stay home you never gotta work again unless you want to you can do whatever you want but you never gotta work again so she she hangs out with the kids all day there's some days i think she'd rather be working Mm -hmm. but uh you know i let her go to the pool or do her thing or go shopping or whatever i've seen her up at the shop she was there one time when I was over there. Yeah, she comes up here a lot. Of, 
a lot of times I couldn't do it without her. She'll bring me my meals. Sometimes if I'm running behind, she'll cook all my meals for me and bring them up to me. Um, so she's, she's been a blessing. And, and I'll just reiterate what, what Todd's talking about, because I mean, without my wife, um, I mean, dude, I'm, I, I can get down sometimes, but when my wife comes over and checks on me and she's like, starts lifting me up, it's like all of a sudden all my strength comes back and I'm like, okay, I got the second wind I need. Let's go do this. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy how much power women have and just being able to say a few things or do a, th- a few things to get us through the hard times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without them, dude, it's, it's really tough. So yeah, hundred um, percent. So if somebody wants to check out your clothing line, where do they go? Uh, Priceapparel.com. Um, They can also uh, check us out on Facebook. Um, But if they want to order anything, go to priceapparel.com. For those of you guys listening, uh, if you're in the market for a roof, because we got people all over the country and he's spread out, you can go to uh, perimeterroofing.com to see all the locations, see if there's one close to you and uh, reach out and chat with them and uh, they'll get you a quote on a new roof. Anything you want to say before we jump off? That's it, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Always yeah, an honor. For sure. I'll get over there and see you guys here in the near future. Um, and uh, if you guys need anything, let me know. But appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And then uh, be on the lookout for the podcast. Uh, yeah. When's that starting? Uh, July 21st is first episode. So be after my show. I'll have some food back in me. I'll be a little more energetic. And um, I'll get you on. So. Nice. All right, brother. Awesome. Well, take care. And uh, I remember when you shot me the text message of the artwork, I was like, I immediately went on to iTunes. It was like, where the <laughs> heck is it? How come I can't find it? And you had done mock-ups. <laughs> yeah, I was getting all pissed off because I couldn't find <laughs> it. It was funny. So uh, anyway, all right, brother. Well, I can't wait to check out your podcast. I'll be the first subscriber. So let me know. And um, appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye.